Hi, and welcome to, I guess, what is the actual official first episode of my new podcast, Look to the Sun. I'm Tiffany, um, Tiffany J. For those of you who have known me for quite some time, you may get the reference to the J. And for those of you who are new, um, which is probably almost everybody because I'm just starting, um, that's probably a story for later. We'll get to it later, but it's just sort of part of a nickname that I had from when I was growing up. Um, so you're probably wondering, who am I? Uh, what is my story and why have I decided to start a podcast? So I am a former teacher. In total, I actually taught probably close to about 15 years between subbing and um, like full-time work and then taking a little bit of a hiatus, but still kind of always dabbling in some sort of um something to do with education. Um, I did then again, more subbing. I did long-term subbing, just lots of things. I worked with tutoring. Um, I worked for an actual company where I was a teacher as a tutor for a while. I just, I've done lots of things in education over the last 15 years or so. Um, I actually started with subbing, um, in 2009, I subbed while I was working towards my teaching credential. And then as I was working on that and wrapping that up, I started, um, student teaching in 2011. And while I was student teaching, I actually was working on simultaneously completing my master's degree in cross-cultural education, which I completed in December of 2011. Um, And as soon as I finished that, I took on a a full-time position. It was a long-term sub-position filling in for someone who was a colleague of mine in the same department. I taught English for the bulk of my career. Um, And so there was a fellow English teacher within our department at the school where I had student taught and she had asked me if I would sub for her while she was out on maternity leave for the remainder of the school year. So at the end of the semester in December when I finished everything, then um, I had Christmas break rolled out of that and right into a full-time position taking on all of the responsibility of what that teacher um, had been doing um, prior to going on maternity leave. And so I was immediately thrust into holding a position of leadership in that role. Um, I was a senior advisor for senior projects. I was also a co-coordinator for an intervention program. So for a brand new teacher, I had like quite a bit of responsibility, actually a lot of responsibility which was pretty much how the entire duration of my career was. That's what it looked like. I just had a lot on my plate always. So I think that was twofold. I think it was because there was just like no one else to do it, (laughs) but also because I was young and eager and capable and my life was teaching. Um, I just gave it everything. Um, I didn't have kid yet, kids yet, so um, you know, I just lived it and breathed it. I poured myself into my career. So that was a glimpse into what the very beginning of my teaching career looked like. Um, fast forward a few years down the road, and I decided to have a baby in 2014. Um, that was what I would say was really the beginning of the end of my teaching career. 
I don't know. I guess I have some mixed emotions and thoughts about that. But looking back, um, I would say that me getting pregnant definitely changed the landscape of what my career started to look like. That milestone, if you will, in my personal life started the trajectory of what got me to where I am today and why I finally decided to create a podcast. So I kind of feel like it's a double-edged sword. The change in the trajectory of my career was somewhat devastating, but also now I can say I think it's a blessing. And I just think that motherhood is crazy that way, right? Like if you're a mom on some level, that probably resonates for you. I think becoming a mother or just a parent in general, no matter what that looks like, I think that it more often than not just flips your life in a way that you could have never imagined. It's why I always say becoming a parent is not for the faint of heart. For me, um, for teaching when I was a teacher, I was a bit of a workaholic. I think that's just who I am by nature. I think I tend to have that tendency. I saw that in my father. Um, I definitely think that that's something fortunately slash unfortunately that um, I picked up from him. Um, I was just completely dedicated to my career um, and I just poured so much of myself into teaching. Um, really, in a way, it was it was my life. It was definitely one of the biggest priorities in my life. And I put it before much of the rest of the things in my life, including the people in my life. Um, During my years as a teacher, um, it hasn't been uncommon for my friends to pretty much never see or hear from me during the school year. My job and my work in that role just consumed me. Um, Partly by choice, but also partly just because that's the way teaching tends to be if you want to be good at it. But then I got pregnant and things started to change. So the year that I got pregnant, um, I had worked for more than half a school year when I found out that I was pregnant. Um, I didn't tell anyone because like so many people do, I was waiting until the first trimester had passed before I was going to say anything to anybody. Um, I had told my mom and my dad, they were the very first people that we told. Um, and I told my brother and my sister-in-law. Um, so that was it. It was just my immediate family. It was my husband and myself, my mom and my dad, my brother, my only sibling, um, and his wife were the only people that knew. So that quickly changed, though, um, because I had a really rough pregnancy um, and I was actually at work one day when I started having what I thought was a miscarriage. I was in my classroom eating lunch and I started bleeding. So here I was at work, brand new, just brand new pregnant, newly pregnant. (laughs) Nobody knew. My immediate family only knew. Nobody at work knew. None of my friends knew. Nobody. And I'm sitting at lunch and I start just having what I thought was a miscarriage. It was terrifying. Sorry to share 
TMI, but I was just profusely bleeding, freaking out. It, I was so scared. I was only a few weeks pregnant. I'm at work. I just a million things are running through my mind in that moment. I was a mess, like quite literally and figuratively at the same time. Um, and I had to make my way to the front office um, to let the principal secretary know that I was surprise pregnant and I think I'm having a miscarriage. And I know the principal's in a meeting right now, but I gotta go. I need you to let the principal know I'm leaving campus to go to the hospital and zip it, please. Um, please respect my privacy and don't tell anyone. Please, please don't tell anyone on campus that I'm pregnant. I'll figure it out once I figure out what's going on here. Oh my gosh. What a way to start my pregnancy. Luckily, I wasn't having a miscarriage. I didn't lose the baby. And that's a story for another time. But it turned out that I had a hematoma between where my uterus was and where the sac for the baby was. Apparently at implantation, the sac holding the baby didn't form properly. And that in turn created a hematoma, at least... <laughs> from what my understanding is, from what the doctors, how they explained it, that's how I interpreted what was going. So throughout most of my pregnancy, I continued to bleed and the doctors continued to say they weren't sure if I'd carry the baby to term or not. And they'd tell me it was a threatened miscarriage every time we would go in. And so, um, it just was really scary and it got to a point where I couldn't work. I had to go on early maternity leave eight weeks into my pregnancy. But because of the way things are in our country and the way school districts work, um, I had to go on disability, which I don't know if that's how actually, I guess I should back up and say, I don't know if that's how every single school district works, but at least here in California, in the area where I am, I had to go out on, um, an early pregnancy, um, disability type of leave is, is what I did. Um, and again, this is a story for another time, but let me just tell you, it was an absolute nightmare to be able to make that happen. And it added so much additional stress on me in a situation that was already so sensitive and just so upsetting. Um, and here I am being told, you know, don't do anything. Don't exert yourself. Don't, you know, try not to be stressed out. Try to just relax as much as possible. And then it just was just this firestorm of just absolute stress um, that was just involved with the entire pregnancy and then trying to go off off work and go you know on an early leave and have to be on disability. And again, that was just a fiasco and again, a story for another time, but it just was beyond stressful. So just as a side note there too, let me just say that it's so ridiculous how women are treated and how poorly they are protected on so many levels when it comes to pregnancy and motherhood. It just, it's insane. Um, I mean, it came very close to me not being able to take time off work. Um, in the end, after lots of prayers and tears and diligence, um, just actually another female who helped me uh, tremendously. She was amazing. She was my saving grace in that moment. Um, I was able to go off work and still receive a semblance of pay. 
So the remainder of my pregnancy was spent in and out of the hospital, being diagnosed multiple times of having a threatened miscarriage, um, lots of bed rest until I got to a point around like month seven or eight where I was bleeding less and it looked like I was going to be able to carry the baby to term. And so that was just in time for a new school year to start. Um, That was around August that that all took place, that they kind of started to release me and say like, okay, you don't have to be on bed rest. You can probably go like back to work. Just watch it. Be careful. Light duty. Like don't exert yourself too much. But I think you're okay. We we think you're going to be okay for now. And you're probably going to carry the baby term. And it's it's probably going to be fine. Um. And so I went back to work at the beginning of the new school year. And I started in early August and I would be going on maternity leave the first week of October. And I was told when I let my principal know that I was going to be, you know, planning that going on maternity leave, I was told that I had to find my own substitute to cover the time that I would be out on maternity leave. So no one was going to help me. I had to do that on my own. Um, I think it just depends on what school district you're in. Sometimes it's just like that, which is kind of a bummer if you know how difficult it is to try to find a substitute um, to take over your class, especially when you're leaving for an extended amount of time for something like being on maternity leave. Um, Hence why when I first got started and I took over for somebody who was going out on maternity leave, she handpicked me because she knew who I was and she came directly to me, but also because truth be told, I wasn't aware at the time, but it's highly likely that her principal told her the same thing. Yeah, sure. That's great. Go on maternity leave, but go find someone on your own. You better have it lined up before you take off. Um, some I've heard other stories where some principals are great and like, yeah, don't worry about it. We got it covered. We'll handle it. We'll find you a sub, which can be good or it can be a total nightmare because depending on who they get for you, if the sub is good, things can go fine and all can be well. If the sub sucks, then it's just a nightmare and you're going to come back into who knows what you're stepping into or just so many things can go wrong. And again, if you're a teacher, that will resonate, that will make sense to you. So in addition to being told, um, find your own sub, I was also told that I should leave thorough daily lesson plans for the sub to follow. Um, And because I had had enough time saved up prior to becoming pregnant um, for leave that I could take, and because in California, any regular holidays or days off school that fall in the regular calendar when you go on a on maternity leave don't count as part of your maternity days off, I was able to take about four months off work once I had my son because there was um, a Thanksgiving break that fell in the middle of that. There was Christmas break and New Year's and whatnot. And so um, again, I was able to take quite a bit of time off, um, which is not the norm unless you're able to do what I did and like bank your days, bank your time ahead of time and, and just have that saved in there and like waiting for you to be able to use when you need to for something like maternity leave. And I was so thankful for that time off, but man, did I work my tail off heading into it. I spent hours working on putting together four months of daily lesson plans making copies, gathering resources, and just prepping everything that 
encompassed that for the sub that was going to be taking over for me. And again, if you're a teacher, you understand how much work that is. It's a lot, especially because at the time I was teaching English, honors English, ESL, which for anyone who doesn't know, that's English as a second language and AVID. And I was helping like co-coordinate things for AVID as well. There's that other piece that that leadership part of it. So not just teaching, but also kind of like taking on some leadership roles as well. So if you were paying attention there, that's four different quote unquote preps, as we call them in the teaching world, Um, four different preps that I had to write daily lesson plans for for four months worth of daily lesson plans for each individual subject that I was teaching, which is four different things. That's a lot of freaking work. It was grueling and exhausting. People were shocked at how much time and effort I put into doing that. I have a very, very good friend of mine who um, worked with me at that school. And when I showed her what I had done before I left, like, look at this, look at all this work that I have done, like heading into this maternity leave. And she was like, girl, are you crazy? Like that is insane. And I was like, well, they told me I should probably, you know, put together the daily lessons. And I just, I did it. That's what I did. That's how I was as a teacher. And I will say that I think that's just a testament to not only how dedicated I was to my job and my students, especially my students, because at the end of the day, I did all that work to ensure that they would still be getting out of the school year what they would normally get if I were there myself. And also, (laughs) I just I just think that that amount of work that I did is a testament to if anyone ever had or has an ounce of question about my work ethic, I just think that it completely speaks for itself just based upon the amount of work that I did in preparation for maternity leave. So what was my welcome back present when I went back to work after maternity leave? They loaded my worst class of the day with the most behavior problems and the students who most needed my attention with multiple new additional students who all had similar issues creating a chaotic classroom environment. They also, and and when I say they, I'm referring to admin and one counselor in particular, who is, I guess you can see that as like part of the admin team, because really they are. So they, my administrators, they also failed to mention that before my return, some kind of crazy scuttle or something happened in the classroom when the substitute was there, in which a student threw a desk across the classroom, like picked up a desk. These are kind of desks where it has the desktop, the wooden table desktop kind of desktop thing. And then it's got like the connected chair to it and it's got the wire basket 
under it so it's like one big heavy piece and like some of the newer ones they're a little bit lighter these were old school ones so they were like really heavy so this kid stands up in the middle of the class is fighting with another student while the substitute's there standing in in the front of the class freaking out according to what the kid said and she was new she was like a brand new teacher because I had to find my own sub again remember and uh, she was like the only one who was willing to take it because she was brand new and she just wanted to work but totally inexperienced totally green had no idea what the heck was going on and this kid stands up causes this huge scene and just chucks a desk across the classroom I had no idea that that had happened while I was out no clue they didn't say a word to me so I just had no idea what a mess I was walking into um, coming back into that classroom and being a brand new mom and all the emotions all of the emotions that encompass that, you know, like when you go back, if you've had to be in that experience yourself, if you're a parent and you've ever had to leave your baby and they're an infant still and you have to go back to work, that in itself is just totally stressful and like a whole plethora of emotions. And then to walk into this total just craziness, unbeknownst to me what I was walking into, it was just, oh my gosh, it was a lot. Yeah. (laughs) So um, they also put one of the school's worst behavior problem students in my first period class. So I got to start my day with a combative student who was relentless at pestering me, other students and admin. Just she didn't leave any of us alone. She was just like off the hook with how combative she was and I got to start my day with her and I got to end my day with a packed class of just mass chaos the class where the desk got thrown right so during the last half of that year um I also had some other fun things that happened actually not fun things at all actually things that were just really really sad and um I guess I should have probably mentioned this earlier in the podcast like in the beginning before I started talking I feel like a lot of what I have to say in this episode can be potentially triggering or really just is probably triggering for a lot of people so um, just this next little piece might be triggering for you if you had trauma in your life or know someone who is close to you that had trauma or just you know if it's it it, many different levels it can be triggering for you Um, so just a a warning there Um, so um, that that year Upon returning from maternity leave and having all of these these crazy kids in my class, um, I also had a student whose dad was beating him, locking him in his room for days on end, and who had CPS called on him multiple times until the student finally took matters into his own hands, left his home, and started living with a fellow student and his single mom who could not afford to feed another mouth, but took the kid in anyway out of the kindness of her heart. The boys would come to school and they would tell me about how they didn't have any food. They're the mom of the other kid, of the one kid, she was barely making ends meet as it was before the other kid. She allowed the other kid to come stay with her and then adding another person to feed it. It was just, it was, it was overwhelming. It was too much. She really couldn't do it. So on my lunch breaks, I would go to the grocery store down the street from the school where I worked and I would buy groceries to send home with these kids because I just felt so bad for them. It was just heartbreaking. It was just pulled at my heartstrings, especially as a new mom. It was just 
too much. It was, it was just so, so sad, so sad. And so I also had another triggering and really sad story as well with another student. Um, she was a female student whose mother's boyfriend assaulted her and beat her all over her body with a cable cord and it left bruising and marks all over her. And so she came to school one day and she was normally just this typically like, you know, energetic and sweet, sweet girl and just fun and lively and just, you know, like how preteen and teenage girls can be just full of energy. And so here she was one day. And when I asked her why she didn't seem her normal, happy and bubbly self, she ended up confiding in me. Um, and I'm a mandated reporter and whatnot. And so the school had her removed from her home by the end of the day. And she was placed with a foster family that night. You bet that I would kiss and love on and hold my baby tight at night when I would go home and I would rock him to sleep before I'd put him to bed. Thinking about my day and thinking about my students at the end of the day. And it was all just a lot to take in, especially as a brand new mom. It was not the first time nor the last time that I would find myself in what in hindsight really I, I feel like was a toxic work environment. And that's not because of those students that my heart goes out to, like the kids that I was buying groceries for or the girl that, you know, had her situation happen to her. Those kids didn't ask for that. And, you know, part of a teacher's heart is that you're there because you want to be able to reach those kids in some way and show them and tell them that they have value and that what their current situation is does not define them. And that in moving forward, it does not have to define them, that they can break the cycle. That's part of, as teachers, what we do. And that was a huge responsibility. And that's not the part that I think was toxic. It was hard and it was a lot to wrap my brain around and to deal with in the moment when these kids would come to me with these things. But my heart always went out to them. And that's just, I think that that's, I am a, um, a server and a giver by nature. And so I wanted to serve them and help them and to give to them in any way that I could to help them. But just the rest of it, the absolute chaos that, you know, I stepped into and the lack of support by admin and them doing that to me as a new mom, knowing that like, you know, I was coming back. It was my first kid. It was my first baby, my first child. And they just didn't care. There didn't seem to be any kind of empathy, I guess, if you will, for like what it was that I was coming back to. Because before I left, my classes weren't like that. Like I had the one class where the desk was thrown, like that was already a little bit of kind of like a class that was like, oh, it's kind of like a little wild class. But, you know, 
it wasn't my first rodeo. I had been a teacher for a little while. And so like I did have pretty good management of it, I will say. But then they didn't tell me why I was out. And they certainly didn't tell me when I was coming back into it that they just stacked that class with like a bunch more kids. All these, you know, issues had happened. These kids already had all of these issues to begin with. It was so stressful. There was so much going on and they just packed these kids in my class and they didn't really handle the problems that were taking place while I was out. They didn't handle it during that time. And so it really wasn't resolved when I came back. And if anything, it just continued to kind of get worse and sort of snowballed. I mean, I was able to rein it back in, but it was a lot of work. Um, and I did do it, but it just never, the class never really got to the point to where I would have liked to have seen it with just the dynamic of things um, and what the day-to-day looked like and how the kids interacted with one another and how they, you know, responded to myself and administrators when need be and so on and so forth. And so it just was really, really super stressful. And then being a new mom and having a new baby, you're not getting sleep anyway, and you have these big emotions and then you're having these kids that makes you have really super big emotions as well because your heart goes out to them and you know teachers tend to think of kids like you know their students that are they kind of like think of them as kind of their own students especially as the year continues to progress you you really start to get attached to these kids if you have a true like teacher's heart um for kids and you know just a love for what you're doing and why you're there um it can just it can just be a lot and so it was and that's why I say that just the whole situation felt toxic like in looking in looking back so fast forward two years from there and I found myself back at the high school where I first student taught because the school where I was when I was on maternity leave was a middle school and it was a different school and I was there for a few years and then um, while I was teaching there I had continuously throughout those years been um, contacted by admin and asked if I would come back to the high school where I very first started teaching and it just was like a situation where it just wasn't the right timing yet and I you know things needed to line up and be be um, financially a certain way that I needed it. The contract had to be the right kind of contract. It just had to be all of the right pieces and in, in, in place at the right time. And so eventually that worked out and I went back to that particular high school where I had began my career. So by that time, my son, my first child was two years old. When I was teaching and teaching high school and found out that I was pregnant with baby number two. And I would say finding out I was pregnant with baby number two was sort of the final straw for my career as a public school teacher. Um, Again, I was with that pregnancy, the second one, I was in the midst of a really hard pregnancy, this time with a new host of issues, including gestational diabetes, which isn't always just a matter of diet, but can also have a direct correlation to stress and sleep patterns. Um, I was under a great amount of stress 
Um, and therefore I just wasn't sleeping much. And part of my stressful work environment included just so many things. Um, and that all just accumulated and just affected my overall health while I was pregnant. Um, and part of that led to a piece of that gestational diabetes occurring. And so part of my stressful work environment included just a bunch of different things, but something like such as uh, a parent, uh, a actually a mom of five children herself, raising concern to admin once they found out, once she found out that I was going to be leaving at the end of the school year, going on maternity leave, she raised concern to admin about me taking maternity maternity leave at the end of the school year. Leave that by law I was entitled to. Leave that you would think as a mother of five, she'd understand is so necessary. Leave that is well-deserved. Leave that isn't long enough to begin with. But leave that was only going to be, only going to be like a month or less at the end of the school year because my daughter was due in May. School gets out at the very end of May there. It was just baffling to me that this fellow mother female mom of five would have a complaint with maternity leave. (laughs) And she was part of a group of parents that just created this absolute nonsense that year and that were just putting in their effort, their best effort that they could to try and ruin my name and my reputation. They just were trying to run it as far into the ground as possible, including taking in public forums online to just spew utter lies about me. And as one of my administrators put it, she said that that group of parents were just on a quote witch hunt and that's really what it felt like it was it was tough it was super stressful it was just a lot to take in and a lot to endure and I just could not wrap my brain around it the one and only female administrator to have my back in the situation ended up being let go at the end of the school year which is just crazy. The main administrator who was our principal of the school was a guy, a male. He asked me one day in passing conversation if I felt stressed. Mind you, he knew everything that had been taking place. And he asked me like, well, are you stressed? (laughs) Um, yeah, I responded. Yes. And told him, well, yeah, I, I am stressed. I mean, I have parents trying to destroy my career. Of course I'm stressed. Wouldn't you be? And he sort of just like mumbled sort of in agreement. I don't even know if it was actual agreement. He just sort of under his breath kind of just, he sort of nodded. He put his head down. He didn't really say much. It was just ridiculous. Shortly after that conversation, 
Um, I was told that I had multiple formal complaints. And I think when they say multiple, it's not like 20 or whatever, but I think it was like a few. Um, So more than one um, formal complaints that were made about me to the district office, including by a parent who was a teacher herself in another district and who had told just an outright, flat out, blatant lie Um, She said that I had an entire class lecture about God and religion, which just absolutely never happened. Never happened. I did, however, wear a T-shirt once a week that represented the club I was an advisor for on campus, along with multiple other teachers. When I say multiple, there was like multiple of us. Like I'd say, oh my gosh, at least five, if not closer to like 10 of us, I want to say that year, there was a lot of us that were involved um, because we took essentially two clubs and linked up and made one. And anyways, um, so there was there were other teachers besides just myself. Um, There was there were multiple advisors and adults, um, teachers and staff that were involved in that particular club that year. And the shirts that we would wear said CIA. And that was an, an acronym for Christians in Action. Because I am a person of faith. Um, no offense to anybody who isn't, but I, I have I have my own faith and I have a deep faith and to each his own. But that's for me, that's what I believe in. And so I was an advisor for that club. We had every right to have that club on campus. That club had been on campus for a long time prior to me ever being at that school before I ever worked there. Um, I was actually encouraged by another teacher who was a veteran teacher when I was a brand new teacher and who was like, you should be an advisor for that. You'd be great at that so um I want to say like the second year that I was I I was there at that particular school another teacher separate teacher approached me and was like you should be an advisor you'd be great at it you should come work with us and do it and the kids would love you and you know you already have a good rapport with them and so on and so forth and so I did it So we would all wear weekly. We had a specific day where it was club day and we would wear our shirts all the advisors would wear our shirts and so I always wore mine meant that not only was I representing that I was a club advisor and part of that club, but it also meant that I got to dress down. I got to wear a t-shirt and I could wear jeans and tennis shoes that day. So that was cool. So I always did that, especially again, I had a little one. He was only two. It was like, look, if I can just make life easy and just wear comfy clothes and just throw jeans and t-shirt on sweet, I'm doing that. So I took advantage of that. Um, so to speak. (laughs) So the parent who made up the lie about me saying that I had this, like her saying that I had this huge lecture about God and everything in my class and tried to persuade students to, I don't know what, honestly, I really honestly don't even know what she tried to say. I just know that she made a formal complaint about something that never took place. Like I said, I wore the t-shirt that was it. I did not ever have any type of lecture or any type of class discussion about trying to lead students to religion or, or, or anything like that. And honestly, like I'm not even a person that like is into religion per se. I'm just not like religion is a whole separate thing and it comes with its own separate, like sometimes issues. And I won't go too, too deep into that, but I just, I have a strong faith and that's it. Like it's between me and my relationship with my faith and that's it. And I just don't go much further than that. And so the parent who made up this lie and filed this false claim against me 
is the foster parent probably not now because the child this was years ago so the child's probably an adult now but at that time this particular teacher slash parent was a foster parent of this student of mine who was the same girl who a matter of days prior to this I had chosen as my class winner for a poetry contest poetry contest being hosted at our school um and it was a school-wide poetry contest where all the grades competed. There was like a winner from each grade level um, in each class and so on. And um, the winner had the opportunity to move on to a national contest and potentially win a scholarship. And so I showed up early to school, dropped my own child off at daycare when it was still dark, took extra time prepping my student for the contest, helped her practice, um, even helped her do her hair so she felt like she would look cute when she went up on stage in front of everybody. Um, I stayed late after work um, the day after the competition, the day the day of the competition, I should, I should say, I stayed after work to handle my regular work duties that got put on the back burner because I spent so much time in, so much time and effort in trying to help this student, um, which then in turn caused me to be late picking up my own kid. Um, once it was dark again is when I was going back to pick him up and I arrived to my child in tears because he had been at daycare so long he was arrived there when it was dark and was leaving there when it was dark and I was late and he was the only little one left there and he thought that I had forgotten him so he was crying and beside himself heartbreak on many levels mostly for my child a little bit for myself too mostly just almost all of it just absolute heartbreak for my child hashtag mom guilt (sighs) luckily shortly after the formal complaint was made by that parent my doctor decided that the stress that encompassed this job was just too much and she provided a doctor's note for me to go out on early maternity leave but not before my male boss persuaded my female vice principal and direct supervisor to coax me into sharing details with my students about the nature of my difficult pregnancy and what he thought would be a last ditch effort to try and get parents to empathize with my situation instead of having them harass me. I was very, very reluctant to do so, but felt backed into a corner, and so I agreed. And it did not work. It actually got worse. And that's when I spoke to my doctor and I was finally able to go out on leave. Um, Because I was not tenured yet, which takes two consecutive years to take place in public school districts in California. And remember, I was already a tenured teacher previously. I actually left a tenured position um, to come to this high school, to come back to this high school to teach, and therefore was not tenured when I started. So I had to do the two years before I could get tenured again. I was actually warned by my colleagues that I should not go out on leave for fear of retaliation by the district. 
who may decide not to reelect me if I took early maternity leave. I just wasn't really worried about it. I guess naively in hindsight, I wasn't worried because that just seemed like outrageous to me. It seemed outrageous, cruel, and like possibly against the law. (laughs) Sure enough, while I was out on leave, I received a letter informing me that I was not being reelected. I was shocked. New baby on the way, not even here yet. Rough pregnancy, all the things. Being harassed by these crazy parents, just telling absolute blatant lies. And here I am losing my job, essentially. I was crushed. That just messed with me for a very long time. Um... I sought legal action and I was told that I had a 50-50 chance of having anything coming to fruition by means of either getting my job back or being able to have legal action taken taken against the school district. And I decided to proceed because I am a fighter. And if you know me, you know that I just... I'm going to stand up for what I think is right. And I thought that what was happening to me was not right. And so I tried. I tried to do, I don't know what, but I tried. But nothing came of it besides a bruised ego, more stress, the loss of a career that I prided myself on and allowed myself to believe was what defined me. And... A huge hit to my mental state happened during all of that. It just, it took me years to shake that. Years. And so my daughter made her arrival and I was still struggling. I struggled mentally for about a year and a half, maybe longer. Um, Actually, definitely longer, but just in a certain way, you know, after I had my daughter, um, there was just a lot of things. It was like coming off the, the heels of what had happened with my career and then being a new mom and just all the things. So I just, I was struggling. Um, and I continued to talk to doctors because I just knew something was off. Um, I never got diagnosed with it, but in hindsight, I'm just like, I'm never one to want to diagnose, to self-diagnose, I should say. I'm never one to want to self-diagnose. You know, I don't think people should do that. But I do also think that you have to be your own advocate and that you do know yourself pretty well. Hopefully you should. And I do feel like I'm in touch with myself and what's what. And I'm just almost certain that I had mild um, postpartum depression. And it sucked. It was not fun. And so it was hard and I was struggling. And then a call came from my sister-in-law to ask if I'd be interested in a long-term sub job at the school where she works. And I took the job. And I would say that that was the beginning of pulling me out of my funk. I was back to doing what I thought defined me. And my kids were both able to be on campus with me at the on-site preschool there at the school where I was going to be working. Um, I subbed through the end of the school year and I came back as a substitute teacher the next school year with my kids attending the preschool again as well, which was really cool. And so we made it a little more than halfway through the school year 
And then COVID happened. (laughs) We went into lockdown and homeschool. um, And when August rolled around that year, my son was going to be a kindergartner. I couldn't wrap my mind around starting your school years in lockdown. We were blessed um, at a local private school affiliated with the church we had attended for years was able to work out a way to hold school in person. And so we enrolled my son in kindergarten and I was asked shortly after we enrolled him there if I would like to take a teaching position at the school. Um, I took the job and enrolled both of my kids there. I was able to enroll my daughter there in the preschool that was there as well on on campus. And so all three of us were at the school together in the midst of COVID and lockdowns. It was an absolutely crazy time as everybody in the world knows, right? It was totally crazy. It was insane. It's like the twilight zone. (laughs) So this was crazy here. Everybody was in lockdown out here in California, but in like in the local areas here, like no schools were in session. They, everybody was online, but this particular private school somehow managed to get some sort of thing worked out with the state and the local powers that be, if you will to be open and to hold school um, in person. And so we took a leap of faith in doing so, um, but we all went there um, on campus in person. And so it was a leap of faith, but it was, you know, as a leap of faith so often is, it was just kind of terrifying since there was just so little known about COVID at that time. And there just, um, there were no vaccines yet and people were dying every day and the news was scary and our country was becoming more and more divided. Healthcare workers and teachers were just taking on an amazing amount of stress and burden. Um, I taught for about two and a half months in person before I got COVID which was terrifying at the time because again, so little was known and there were no real healthcare options that revolved around COVID and what to do if you got it. It was just a wait and see what happens situation. Um, I actually ended up at the hospital twice when I had COVID, but I was fortunate and I was okay. Thank goodness. I, I feel blessed for that very much. So, um, And during that time, I quarantined in my master bedroom all by myself for about two and a half, like probably almost three weeks. Because again, that's when it was like you had COVID and you had to just absolutely quarantine from everybody, shut the door, like, you know, don't, can you meet around the dog? I mean, I was in the beginning, but then (laughs) I watched this, um, I don't know, there was a news story on some news thing that I was watching and it was like, oh, I don't know if it was actually true or not, but the story was all about how someone had given COVID to their dog. I mean, it's probably ridiculous. I don't know. I don't even know if that's a thing. I feel like that could be absolutely ridiculous and that you, I don't know, who knows, who knows, but my dog had, (laughs) my little sweet little dog had been spending time with me in quarantine and locked down in my master bedroom with the door shut away from my kids and my husband so that, you know, they wouldn't get it. And then I hear the story and I'm like, oh, nope, Charlotte, you got to (laughs) go. So I couldn't even have my dog with me. Oh my goodness. Uh, Crazy, right? Um, Yeah, so that was that. Um, And I did all sorts of things during that time while I was in quarantine from my family. Um, And I would like to say, side note, that... (laughs) 
we did such a great job. My husband was amazing during that time with the kids and just really took everything on with that because I wasn't able to. And um, just, yeah. So while I was up there upstairs in lockdown by myself <laughs> in quarantine, um, I did all sorts of things to try and keep myself occupied while feeling just absolutely terrible, um, including just I prayed a lot. Um, I love art, so I did like those um you know, adult coloring books. I also binge watched The Crown, which is awesome. If you haven't seen The Crown, it's so, so good. Anyways, I loved it, but. <laughs> um, and so near the end of my quarantine, I felt compelled to quit my job. And I don't mean to sound flippant about that when I say that I just decided to quit my job. I totally understand that not everybody is in that situation who can just quit their job, you know, just decide one day for whatever reason, um, you may come to that, that decision. I, I know that not everybody is in a situation where they can, um, you know, just quit their job. So I don't mean to be disrespectful, um, by any means, but just luckily I was in a situation where I could do that. And so I felt compelled to quit my job with just the climate of everything that was going on and just with COVID and everything, it just was a lot. And, uh, you know, again, like I just was in a weird place mentally and it just was a decision that I came to. And so, um, I enrolled my son, um, in our local public school, which was only functioning via online. And I took my daughter out of preschool and I started homeschooling her while I was basically homeschooling my son as well. And, um, I thought that this was probably, that was probably where I was going to call it quits with teaching. Um, a year later though, COVID was starting to calm down a bit and schools were going back to hybrid models and regular in-person schooling. Um, and an opportunity came up for me to be able to get a teaching job at a great school that I had always been interested in teaching at. And there would be an opportunity for me to enroll my kids there as well. Um, I have to admit, um, I was cautious about taking the job and I still had reservations about it, even though I took the job. Um, I just, you know, I feel like I would have kicked myself if in the end I didn't take it. I feel like just how my personality is. I think that I would have always wondered like what could have been or what was or what might, you know, like what I have regretted not taking it. Um, I don't know. So, but I just didn't want to feel like that. And I felt like it was presented and I was going to take that opportunity. And so the school actually turned out to be, um, a huge blessing for my kids. And the job for me was what I often refer to as a teacher's dream. Yet there was always something looming in the back of my mind the fact that I had landed in a great teaching position, but as the year progressed and my daughter was nearing the end of her kindergarten year, I felt as though I had missed the majority of her kindergarten year. There was that mom guilt again. And boy, was it messing with my mind. Enter an opportunity to take a different job entirely in a different 
career and be able to work from home and have flexibility to be with my kids and do things like take them to school every morning and pick them up after school and um, to work when I wanted as long as I got my work done. At least that's how it was sold to me and why I decided to leave the quote teacher's dream teaching job. Um, And so I, at the end of the school year, when I was done teaching, my contract was up. I let the principal know that I would not be returning and I was going to be taking this new job. And so I started working immediately as soon as school ended. And I worked through the summer. Um, I had to enroll my kids in a summer program where they spent more time there than they did at home despite me working from home because the job was so demanding that I couldn't possibly have my kids at home with me. The job was, if I'm being honest, a total nightmare. (laughs) The egregious things that were happening, including my boss telling me that when school started in August, that I would not be able to take my kids to school in the morning and that I'd need to, quote, figure it out was not only totally overwhelming, just beyond stressful, it was just a total, just mess with my mind sort of situation. It just, it spent me, it sent me just reeling. And so things got so bad that I had to take a medical leave of absence. Um, I was able to take almost three weeks off actually. So during that time, I did a lot of thinking. I got some therapy and I decided I wanted to create a podcast so I could have a space to talk about the things that people go through in their lives and how we can relate to one another. A place to be creative, a place to share, a place to shed light on things, a place to educate in my own way, in a kind and compassionate way, in a way that says, I've been there and I understand. Because like my therapist told me, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one who has struggled in their career. I'm not the only one who has allowed a career to define them when they are so much more than that. I'm not the only one to have mom guilt. I'm not the only one to have had hard times and to need a reminder to look to the sun. Helen Keller said, keep your face to the sunshine and you cannot see the shadow. It's what the sunflowers do. I love that. I hope that this podcast will be a source of love and light. I hope it helps us all to remember to look to the sun. No matter who you are or what you believe, where you come from, what you've been through, we all have a light within us. We all deserve to let that light shine. Whether you believe or not is up to you, but I happen to believe that God is the light of the world and in him is life. And that life is the light of every human being and every living thing he created. So look to the sun and let your light shine. Let it shine bright and big and boldly. Be brave and don't let anything 
or anyone ever dim your light. You are not alone, just the same as I'm not alone. There is light within me and I am choosing to let it shine and to send some of it along with love to anyone out there who needs it. I hope you will continue to look to the sun with me.